Hi, and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. My name is Marty, and as always, I'm here with my partner in crime, Tony. How's it going, Tony? It's going pretty good, Marty. I hope you had a good Christmas. Did? Had a good Christmas, good New Year. How about yourself? Did. Had an outstanding time, and if you don't mind, I'm going to give a little shout out here to our listeners. Yep, we got some listeners, man. Can you believe it? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I mean, it looks like, yeah, there's there's a, a few out there. So hopefully we're providing some informative information. Dang, how's that for you? Yeah. That's, well, let me put it to you like this. So I show up at our, we always take some time off and go to friends of ours in Kentucky, and their son comes running out of the room to his mom and says, did you know Tony has a podcast? And so when our other, our neighbors, and just so happens in episode one, I mentioned both of them and talk about their gaming habits. They sat there and listened to our podcast. Did they criticize it? They said we did a great job. They look forward. Matter of fact, um, the son who came out got it on his RSS uh, feed so that he could um, listen to it. But the best part was that during our um, New Year celebration, before the kids, they always do their skit. Um, they ha- they had made me sound like the lady from Portal, and kept me in an infinite loop on saying that games confuse people and that. And so, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciated that. It was a great prank. I wrote about it in the blog, if, if anybody saw that. But uh, I give a shout out to our to my neighbors and our friends in Kentucky, and I appreciate them listening. And hopefully we can keep them all entertained and give them some other little tidbits to, to abuse me on. Hold on. They made your voice sound like GLaDOS from Portal? Sure, if that's what her name is. You know I've only played up to level three. You know how much I love jumping puzzles. Well, yeah. So I just want the app. Because I would have so much fun with that. So if you can get me that app, um, I, I, that will that will take a lot of my time. Uh, well, let me put it to you like this: It would. Um, you need a Mac. They have a Mac. So there you go. I got a Mac at work. We we can make this happen. We can make it happen. Very. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was like a special app or something that would do it. That's, uh, or whether they would just. You don't know, do you? No, I have no idea. I'll find out though before um, they um, head back to college and find out what they used. That's why I do all the editing, I guess, right? You got it. Uh, hey, well, yeah. someday I'll I'll learn and I'll get the right equipment over here to do some editing. We'll know. So, won't you tell the people what this episode number three is about? It's a special topic. Yeah, as we teased last time, one of the things you know, Marty and I've uh, got started in this gaming was playing collectible card games, and so this episode is going to be about the various types of card games, card styles, um, the various genres or subcategories when you deal with card games. We're going to talk about that and hopefully those that listen to us here you know, will understand um, what does it mean to have a deck building game or a draft game or what does it mean for it to be a collectible card game. And Marty, you know, we got our start um, gaming. I would say our first game is when we sat around the table there and we played the, the classics, hearts, spades, you know, and one of my favorite, Opishaw. Um, love that game. You taught it to me and still play it today. It's one of the best card games out there. Uh, yeah, well, this is going to date ourselves, but see, we were actually in college together. We predated Magic by a few years, so we didn't have that in college to play, so we had to stick with the boring 52-card basic playing deck for our games yes and do you remember the night our roommate looked at us and played 52 card pickup when he realized that he had screwed up his bet no pasha and threw his cards uh yeah yeah 
I can't imagine how many hours we played cards during college. It was it was actually sad. I remember that we uh, with spades. It got to the point we knew each other so well we had to find a different game. Exactly. It was unreal. So anyway, we're going to be talking about card games and the various types. And as I mentioned, um, one of the things that everybody needs to understand is when you're walking through Walmart or Target and you see that whole display of cards over there, you'll see Magic. You may see some other ones. matter of fact, I was uh, at Target today. And Marty, I tell you, the only card game I really saw over there was Magic. And, cl- and baseball cards. That was about it. I uh, used to have a whole bunch over there. Now I just I didn't see a whole lot. Well, that's funny because I was at Target Day. I saw I don't know. I saw Pokemon, World of Warcraft, Oogieoh. Okay. So I saw I still saw those on the shelves. Uh, maybe my Target's different than maybe they're just saving their shelf space. I don't know, but I looked just to, so we'd have something to talk about but that's pretty good that you still saw you know of what is a collectible card game and that's nothing more than in my mind in my opinion a game where you're playing against someone and you're building a deck from buying a base set and then constantly buying boosters so and the big game was magic now marty we really didn't play magic like you said it hadn't come out yet we were out of school by the time magic hit and by the time we heard about it it was what probably five six years later or something it was and it it gotten so big that we almost were we were overwhelmed by it because there were so many cards out we just didn't know where to jump in right and then i think uh you know we jumped into the lord of the rings by decipher their collectible trading card game system um loved it you mentioned that i think it was in the first podcast that we did and it was it was our introduction to collectible games great we were we love the fact that you had to spend a lot of money to get a full set and enjoy the movie but it taught us the rules and one thing about collectible card games marty you mentioned what pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh. um i don't think you mentioned belisara you know the horse one you know what i'm saying there i'm trying to forget that i understand um but you know they all have similar mechanics you know you you have a deck you can either draw a card depending on what it is you have to pay to play the cards um you'll hear terms like tapping and what else am i forgetting about collectible cards games in in their general like like if you would just you know step us through like a magic scenario so people can understand that have never even ventured into collectibles well, I mean, every game is different. So there's a whole different rule set for every collectible card game. But typically there's some sort of um, resource that is used to to pay for cards, to get them out. Typically there is some sort of a- attacking. Usually you're going up against an opponent and you're, you're, you're going back and forth battling in some shape or form. But to really... You know, give concise rules on how it works. It's just it's just too broad. You know, we played a lot of collectible card games, and they they're all a little bit different some way. But the thing is, is that you do build the 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 whole beauty of the card game is is building your deck to bring in to play against somebody else's deck. So every time you play, the deck can be totally different, and the person you play against can be totally different. And I think the huge appeal to us, and I think you actually mentioned this in the first podcast, was. We were, used to be really into baseball cards. And with baseball cards, there were different values of the cards when you opened them up. The rookie cards were worth more than the old veteran cards. And we enjoyed opening the cards and 
and sorting the cards and seeing what we got and doing trading and, and even going on eBay and buying cards to complete the set. But then we put those cards away and then never used them again. The collectible card game kind of took care of that itch for us of wanting to kind of do the same sort of thing because collectible meaning usually there is a sort of a, a scarcity based on the cards inside the pack. So typically there were common cards, uncommon cards, rare cards. And in a booster pack, and a booster pack is just a, a set of anywhere, 12, 15 cards, depends on the game, where most of the cards in there are common, a few are uncommon, and usually got like one rare. Well, that rare card was usually extremely powerful. And typically in a collectible card game, you could have multi, you could use multiple copies of a rare. Well, you either had to keep buying packs over and over again in hopes of getting in some multiple copies or you had to buy them online or you had to trade with somebody so there was the collectible part which was also what makes it so extremely expensive yeah and and well we when we were doing lord of the rings we were able to find you could actually have we had did some mail trades things like that so that that helped us out a little bit on that but you're absolutely right and if you ever went into tournaments that was probably one of the biggest things i didn't like about the collectible genre was that if you had to go to a tournament to play you had to have those cards or or you didn't stand a chance you know no you're abs- you're absolutely right i mean there was a it was there was a uh, there's a term called meta meta meaning there's almost like a a, a theme or an overall uh, help me out. What what's a good definition for meta? Uh, you got me there. Uh, yeah, you you sprung that one on me. I do not know what a good thing for meta would be. Okay, meta meaning there's a certain style of play or something that that's typically going on at a certain time, based on what cards are released. And so when you went into a tournament, if there was one type of meta or theme or type of deck that was extremely powerful, guaranteed multiple people would have that deck problem was is what if the cards in that deck were a lot of rares or extremely hard to get cards so you're right to be competitive you had to dump a bunch of money into this game or you were going to go into tournament and just and just get totally waxed if you if you're going there with a lot of common cards forget it right and i'm sorry i i understand what you're saying now the the term meta just left me sorry to leave you hanging like that man yeah, that's all right. It's, I'm used to it. I understand that. But so from a collectible standpoint, you know, it's a you have a goal, an objective. Usually you're trying to do something to your opponent. You, In order to play a card, you have to have resources. You'll hear terms like tapping. Um, that's the big one. Which is patented by uh, Wizards. Oh, good call there. And uh, that's really, they patent the word yeah. tapping. Well, I think they went after somebody, another card game that was trying to refer the the idea of of tapping a card means you're you're using it that turn and it, it's you're turning it um, ninety degrees just to indicate that you've used it. And I think some other game tried to use that term and they took them to court or said you need to stop using because that's our special term. So that's why there's a bunch of these card collecting games that have this concept of turning a card ninety degrees to show that you've used it. But they all have a different term for what that is. Okay, that's good. But it's all the common factor. And it all got started with the magic and the being able to do that. Now, when you and I tried it out, 
I'll admit I was coming off the Lord of the Rings uh, collectible game high. I really didn't enjoy it. I don't want to make anybody, you know, oh, I can't believe you don't like magic. But um, it, it just, there was something about it. And I think a lot of it is that mechanic of how are you going to pay to play those cards. And the one that Lord of the Rings had is still one, probably one of my favorites um, of, of paying uh, money or resources into a pool and the other player gets to take from that so if you want to play a whole bunch of cards that's great but your pl other player who can beat you can now take from that resource and it's still probably one of my f favorite resources from a collectible card game but for our listening audience collectible card games you have a a deck you're building a deck it's it's i would consider it still a deck building game marty where you're having to build up a, a deck over time but in order to do that you've got to go out get a base set a starter deck is often the term what's really nice about collectible card games is they don't require boards they usually don't require a whole lot of stuff with them they just require the cards just like you would do with a normal you know, if you had a 52 basic deck of cards, you just take your deck and there you go. You may need counters, but who knows? Anything can work. Pennies, whatever. I think when we talk about card games uh, today, a lot of most games have cards in it, even board games. But I think we're trying to focus on games that are basically strictly cards, maybe tokens or counters or something like that, but, but mainly cards. And as you mentioned, Magic was the first to come out in 93. Well, obviously it... It's still going today, and it's still going strong. And I even read uh, in an article last week that said Magic is now the biggest name brand game I don't know, in the U.S. or the world. That's how big it is. And you can play it on all platforms now. It's it's amazing. It, it really is. So if you're out there and you're walking by these displays with Magic and you're saying, what the heck is that? Well, now you got some type of idea. Yeah, and I was going to say that it's brought in so much money that obviously everybody else is trying to capitalize on that. And I'm actually looking at a list online of all the collectible card games that's been released since Magic in 93. And I was going to like say how many has been. I can't even count. It's, it's pages and pages of released and mostly failed games that's been released in the past, well, now 20 years. Yeah, and I'm sure based on our history, we've probably played a bunch of those failed games. Uh, yes, we did. We don't have very good uh, success with picking winners when it comes to these types of games for some reason. Anytime we get into a game that we really liked, it was canceled. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Lord of the Rings. One of my other favorite by AG was Spycraft. I, I really enjoyed that. I liked the, the mechanics of it. Uh, the game, a lot of games, a lot of games that came out um, have go back to licenses that existed. A recent um, multiplayer game that showed down, City of Heroes, we tried that. What was the name of that collectible card game that we played that had the plastic cards that you could see through that shut down like in six months? Hecatoon. Hecatoon. There you go. From Wizards. It was a uh, Lovecraftian theme type game that we thought from Wizards, the company that makes magic. Hey. This is going to stick around. Nope. Yep, I hated that game. Uh. Oh, but but here's one thing that's kind of interesting. So there was a big boom for collectible card games. And in the mid-2000s, there are tons of games that were released during that time. But what's interesting is as the economy started turning around and getting into this market was kind of tough, over the past several years, there's been a lot less collectible card games released in, in that amount of time. 
I guess people that I guess a lot of companies have found out, you know what, we can't go up against the juggernaut of magic. There's some other mainstays we mentioned in Pokemon, Oogioh, even World of Warcraft, but nobody else is really breaking this market, which is why some companies have just decided, hey, we need to find something else to kind of fill that uh, that that genre because that people aren't really getting into it. Number one, it costs a lot of money, but people still have want to be able to open packs and build decks which is actually going to kind of lead into the next genre we're going to talk about. I was going to say, Marty, that was an incredible segue right there. Thank you. You know, that was right off the top of my head. That Holy wasn't scripted cow. or anything. As I was, as the words were coming out of my mouth, I'm, I'm like going to myself, this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant where I'm going with this. That's unreal. So I guess that leads us into the what is coming out now that people might see is the um, not collectible, but what we call from, a, and it may be patent, is from Fantasy Flight, we were into the living card games where you buy a base set of cards that usually is enough for two people to play, and then they come out with releases of additional deck expansions. And those type of cards you just add in there's no buying booster pack after booster pack after booster pack trying to get that rare you get all of all the cards you need and it's kind of more or less you know everybody's on the same ground when it comes to those cards if you don't want to buy those booster packs well then that's your call but uh, one of our favorites that's out right now is the netrunner series didn't you say it's like still number one or something marty netrunner as of today, I actually looked on Board Game Geek. Geek, that's nice. Oh, he's going to love you for that. <laughs> on Board Game Geek, on their hot list, as like what's the most popular game, it's been Netrunner for now for a while. And the game came out, when did we pick it up? Last fall? Yeah, last fall. Right after Gen Con. It came out, it was released at Gen Con. But yeah, um, we were at the card game store yesterday talking to a couple of people that, that picked up the game. And there's a lot of people locally that are wanting to get into it. So it is kind of the hot game right now. I'm looking at the list of living card games. I want to see when their first one came out. It was actually in 2008. It was Game of Thrones, and in the same year they released Call of Cthulhu. After that was Warhammer Invasion, which we tried. Lord of the Rings card game, Netrunner, and now Star Wars the card game was just released in December. And nobody else is doing this style of game as far... Well, yeah, I guess that's not true. I guess... There's other games that release expansion packs for their things. Uh, for example, like Summoner Wars, which we tried. But I don't know if I'd really call that a card game because, you know, the cards are played on the battlefield. But they have the same sort of concept where they have a base deck and then over time they release expansions kind of like this is. But I don't know. I'm curious to see if any other companies jump onto this bandwagon and release some sort of concept like this. Expansions come out for this and they come out monthly. But what happens is they tell you exactly what's going to be in the pack. Like I said before, the boosters were random. You had no idea what was going to be in there. You just knew you was going to get X amount of commons, X amount of uncommons, and one or two rares. Here they'll say, okay, you're going to get three of this card, three of this card, three of this card, and every pack is exactly the same. Buy one pack, that's it. That's all you have to spend. Now, the boosters for um, Magic, Pokemon, stuff like that, they can run four or five bucks a piece. So you can understand why over time those things would get expensive oh yeah i mean it, what was it it was like i I, re, I remember it was it was just branded into our brain it was three dollars and 29 cents for a booster pack yeah that's right for um for the lord of the rings it was 329 lord of the rings 
That's right. And uh, so the Living Card Games expansions are 15 bucks. Yeah, it's more pricey than a booster, but you're talking like the price of three boosters. And that's the manufacturer's suggested retail. You can find it cheaper online if you want. So basically for the cost of three boosters, you know exactly what you're getting. So you just budget your money, say, I'm going to spend 15 bucks a month, and you'll always have the latest cards. Right. And I guess the advantage of, of the living card games, you mentioned that nobody, you know, no other companies are really jumping on this. I'm sure with the success of Netrunner, we may see some more come out. And, uh, you know, maybe in 2013 and, but for those people that are looking at card games who might be wanting to dab in this, you know, this is an excellent way to, you know, you spend that initial investment, see if you like it. Um, the one thing we didn't touch on, we talked about the tournaments for collectible card games, you know, they're running them for the living card games. And to me, it's more, and I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, it's, it, comes down to everybody's pretty well got it it's who can build the most successful deck and then it comes down to how well you play and a little and well every game every card game is luck i mean did you get the right draw exactly yeah yeah you're right and you can affect that some way with some cards there are some you know you can build some decks where you go through your deck quicker i know you like to do that yeah do you like to do that do you like to do the denying thing Uh, i can't remember which one you like well and with the collectibles i always enjoyed the denying of the cards or the swapping of the cards that's why I, you know i i enjoy if i can if when we play net runner if i ever come across the corporation or the runner that gives me the ability and i think there is one that goes out and says oh you have that card well now it's my card i enjoy that type of of deck or you want to try to play that versus you know what was it the um you got the heavy hitting decks and the swarm decks and there, there's all these terms for it Right, and that, that's kind of another thing, too. So most of these card games have different factions um, or, or different play styles depending on what deck you build. Uh, in Magic, it's based on colors. There, there are, is it five, five different colors, and each one plays a little bit different, and you can mix one color with another color to make a certain theme deck. Most of the deck-building games have something like that to where – you could come in with a deck that's like big on doing a lot of damage and could play somebody like your deck that does a lot of denying or something like that. But I think that's what the appeal to me of both living card and collectible card games is sitting outside the game, looking over my library of cards and trying to come up with some sort of strategy where I put a deck together and see if my strategy works. Right. Which, you know, is, it makes it, that much more appealing but for people that you know okay fine i I don't want to sit there and and play these types of card games where i have to you know sit there with a hand and try to play or do this in 2009 uh, a game came out which we're going to cover in casual corner dominion that really changed the way a type of card game can be played and it becomes more of a a large social game in my you know the way things are done and that to me is what we call um, deck building games Uh, a true deck building game where you have a supply of cards sitting on the table for everybody around you and you buy a game and it tells you okay you need to do this you need to get x victory position points or whatever and dominion started a whole genre of things called deck building if you go to board game geeks you can do the subcategory deck building get a whole list of them but 
that is where you're out there trying to go. Everybody has the same supply. Everybody's trying to build the same deck. You're drawing cards and doing things and actions. And you can take a look into deck building. So you have the collectibles, you have the living, and then if you're not into that, buying monthly boosters or whatever, you can buy a standalone game and you can do what we call deck building games. Yeah, now you said that um, everybody's trying to build the same deck. I think what's different is is you have a bunch of cards on the table right, and I'm actually sorry, yeah. everybody can build a different deck if they want. A different what, style, what's different? a different whatever, yeah. A different gameplay. Yeah, somebody may say, I want to focus based on, I want to buy these cards and build this type of deck, and somebody else says, I'm going to buy these and build this type of deck. Everybody starts with the same base cards, typically in these deck building games. You have an X amount of cards, and, and typically, again, a lot of this is based on, I have resources to purchase cards. These cards go into my deck, and this deck is used throughout the game. So the big difference between a living card game and a collectible card game is your deck is built outside the game. You sit at home or wherever, build your deck, come and sit in front of your opponent and play against them. With a deck building game, the deck is built as the game is played. So everybody in the beginning starts with the exact same number of resources. And over time, as the game goes, you buy a card, it goes into your deck. Your deck gets bigger over time. Depending on the type of game and stuff, you may have some sort of certain strategy that you're going for. And as the game moves along and you start drawing those cards out of your deck, then you start playing that strategy. And I think it's interesting in all types of these these deck building games. And everyone I've played, I, I, I wish I had a, I wish I could patent a term for this, but I can't come up with it. And, and maybe somebody else can help me out if they want to leave something in the comments about this. But it seems like in deck building games, there's multiple phases. The first phase is almost like I'm just trying to build the deck. And at some point over time, you switch from trying to build the deck to play the deck. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And and you bring out a good point. The initial phase of the the game, you're right, it goes in phases. Hey, I got to set up here. What's my strategy here? And how do I achieve that strategy? And depending on the interactions with everybody else, once you get there, then I got to go to the end game. How do I get to that victory condition in a deck building game? So it's get initiate my strategy, begin my strategy. Once I accomplish that, then I go towards the victory conditions. And now the, the, the only problem I have with the deck building games, Marty, is that sometimes, you know, when you're trying to teach other people or they, they learn uh, these games, they don't know or they don't have the knowledge of the cards. So there is a, um, I guess, a, a steeper learning curve to new players that they may be turned off. But as, as long as they like the mechanics, they're, they're not having to, to pour over reading a whole bunch of cards like you do in, in collectibles, living card games. You know, they, they need to have a common understanding of those types of cards that are on the table. But it's quick to pick up. You know, once you, once you get the hang of it, you may play it one time and then the second time, hey, I, I understand as long as you don't change up the types of cards I'm using, I should be okay. No, that, that, and that's a great point. When teaching these games to people, lots of times you have to go through each card and explain what it is. And that's why in a lot of these deck building games, the rules recommend here, if you're a starting player, use these cards. And, and let me explain what that means. Typically in these games, 
there are different types of cards that you put out on the table as your pool to draw from. What these game companies want to do is they don't want to make it feel like the same static game every single time. So they give you a lot more different car, a lot more different cards than what are actually used on the table. And then over time, you switch those in and out or do them randomly. So every time you play the game, let's say, for example, there's there's 10 cards on the table to choose from in a pool, but you actually have 25 different types of cards in the box. So it just keeps giving a randomness to the game. So every time you sit down and play, you're not exactly sure what you're going to be able to play play from this time. And that's also how they do the expansions too, right? I mean, they just give you more cards to to pull from that pool and, and change up the dynamics a little bit, maybe add a new keyword or a new action or something on the card that didn't exist before. Yeah, Marty, the expansions really do bring more to the game. But once again, you got to now learn what those cards do to you. But... If you really enjoy the deck building side of a game or or a deck building game, then these will give it longevity and it will really help. Now, like we said, Dominion, you know, kind of kicked all this off. You introduced me to Thunderstone, which had a different theme. More and more of these deck building games are coming out that you can play, pick up, whatever. There may be a theme that you like uh, and, and enjoy from that standpoint and you just need to take a look and and see what's out there like i said go to board game geek and do a sub uh category look up on deck building there's a ton of them out there it's an it's a good system for to help people there's drafting of cards like you said in the initial you got to get a card you build your deck and then you have to uh, execute your deck um now not to be confused with other types of card games there's just drafting where you pick a card and that card you you don't you play it right then and that's what it does and that to me is a game that came out what two years ago is seven wonders that to me is a pure drafting type card game right yeah it's definitely not a deck building game and 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 that uh genre was was kind of new in itself where you're giving a given a hand of cards basically you, you take a card out of that hand and you play it, then you pass your hand to the guy to the left of you. So it's not like you're building a deck. Like you said, you just take a card, you play it right then and there, which is kind of a different strategy. Right. And the the challenge, and I taught our, our, our friends and all we, I took seven wonders. They grasp it real quick. And one of the interesting things as I watched them play was that that was, you know, the strategy kept shifting and it was and they really enjoyed that from from the standpoint of the the movement it was quick it was very easy to understand what was going on matter of fact played it um one time and then on the second game they were like man we got this we understand this completely and that's kind of different than uh one of your favorite games from last year epic spell wars mm-hmm uh, which was uh, more of like you're just dealt a card of uh, a hand of cards and just playing straight from your hand and then just drawing off the top again. Right. Um, Epic Spell Wars. That's that kind of reminds me of just a basic set of cards. You know, 52 cards. Um, playing uh, spades or hearts or opusha. You know, you you can't. You can always play a game when you got a deck of cards. Card games are great. You know, we've talked about. Uh, collectibles, living card games, deck building, 
Um, the new new thing that's out there, and that's the drafting from Seven Wonders, and then you got your standard cards. So there's a lot of options. Card games, love them, easy to play. Look forward to a whole bunch of new ones coming out in 2013. Look for the expansions in Netrunner. So hopefully we'll um, have some good challenge or new games. And I will say, you know, and I'll let you close this out, Marty, but probably Seven Wonders when we played it at Origins and those guys taught us that game. I think it was within what a week. I think you and I both had ordered it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think right as we got home from Origins, I got online and then went to Amazon. So yeah, I'm buying this. So it, it it's card games are kind of my passion. It's kind of always been that thing for me. I like board games and stuff, but there's just something about cards, and I, I think it goes back to um, the um, opening ball cards as a kid. Um, you know, you op- used to open the pack of cards and get the bubble gum and all the cards and stuff. And then we moved into the collectible games and there's something about that smell of that fresh pack of cards. I mean, I, I imagine if we could smell a rainbow, it would smell like a fresh pack of cards. Uh, completely understand that without the tops bubble gum. <laughs> Sorry. It <laughs> gets hard after a while and it's like, oh, this, this tastes so good. And you shove about seven pieces in your uh, mouth and 30 seconds later, you're spitting it out. Yeah, that was just terrible. But anyway, so for anybody out there considering picking up, and, you know, we, we gear this podcast more to the ones that are trying to find new games, not the old veterans. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for card games that you may want to look into getting into, there's tons of them out there from our descriptions hopefully that will lead you to the the genre that you're interested in and that you'll be able to find something to put on your table play give it a try and 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 enjoy it like i said basic deck of cards always a great game always social and if you don't have the um, Hoyle book of games, did I say that right? Is it Hoyle? I believe so. Okay, I don't know, but you know, there before books become a extinct thing, go out and pick you up the Hoyle book of card games. It gives you all the rules. I know you can find them online, but it's always nice to have that. I'm, I, I know I have one in or my get collection. the Kindle version. Or, oh, see, there you go. It's electronic. You need the anyway. You got to handle hand the Kindle around the room. Come on, man. Here's a book. Show that it's feathered. Show that it's still out there. But anyway. You're old school, man. I know I am, buddy. That's just the way it is. All right. Very good, then. Well, as usual in our podcast, we have a casual corner on our games where we talk about a game that's been out for a while or that seems to get a lot of play that you may have heard about. And this week, to go along with the card theme, we've already mentioned it, we're going to do in the casual corner, Dominion. Yay! Uh, I believe, Marty, you introduced me to this game about three years ago. came out in 2009, uh, or maybe sooner. I can't remember. I think it was actually uh, 2008. 2008. Uh, it mm-hmm. won the Spiel in 2009. And right. um, overall, Dominion, like we were saying earlier, it's a deck-building game. Give you a little bit more rules on it. There are three phases in Dominion. You have what you call the action phase. And that's where you can do an action. You have the buy phase, and then you have the cleanup phase. Now, during those times, you're in your deck. You're able to draw five cards. In those cards, you take an action. That action says it may be like, oh, draw two more cards, or go take a card or make somebody discard something. 
Um, that can be an action. It's clearly stated on the card. And you play that card and you're done. One action. Unless the action says do another action. So in Dominion, you can build chains of actions and, and things like that. Or you can do an action that lets you draw more cards. And from those cards, you can do another action. But once you do that action, that phase is over. Then you can buy. That's usually in Dominion, you you have gold pieces. And they have very level varying levels of gold. And those cards can buy other cards. Now, some of the cards you play may add additional gold to your pot that you can play. So from the supply, so when you set up Dominion, you start with your supply. Those include the gold pieces that you can always get, that you can um, add to your hand. There's some cost to those. There's then the what they call the victory point cards that have various levels. And those are how you will get the earn win the game is when you ha when you collect those victory point cards problem with victory point cards are they help you win the game but they become dead weight in your hand so you have to balance that how do i manage to keep the victory points in my hand and get and use them so i can win the game and that's like marty mentioned earlier that's where that strategy and that execution comes in when do i start getting those victory points and then you have the other 10 supply cards that are sitting out on there that you can pull from that have the actions that add gold or give you other actions that are like um, you can curse somebody or put a negative one on them along those lines. So you you have your action phase, your buy phase, and then your cleanup. Cleanup is nothing more than, all right, discard any unused cards, put them in your discard pile, draw five more, and wait for the <clears throat> and wait for your turn again. Now in Dominion, the game ends when the six-point victory cards run out. That deck is completely, that deck in the supply is completely exhausted. They're called the province cards. Or three other decks in the supply are exhausted. So you have to watch that. You have to see how those are running and what people are collecting because that very well could end the game and you may not be ready. So you have to watch from that standpoint. So from Dominion, you're sitting there, you draw f your five cards, you do your action, you buy other cards, and you do cleanup. Sounds simple. Yeah, and it is. I mean, when you just look at those three different phases right there, it's a piece of cake. And I think that's part of the brilliance of the game is with what you just said, you could sit down and play. You start with a um, set number of cards, and uh, it's, it's mostly um, – uh, you you get some uh, the the gold pieces, which are basically just cards, and there's different denominations of gold, and everybody starts out with the exact same amount. And I believe you draw five cards mm -hmm. from a ten card ten card deck from the initial t yeah the initial ten card deck. You draw five cards. Now in, in Dominion, you won't be able to take actions in usually your first two because all you have is uh, what is it the gold and um, what's the other card they give you in, in the initial. There's because there, there's no actions to take. You have to get those later. I think right. I think the base cards uh, don't have any actions to them. Yeah, exactly. So um, uh, so as you draw your cards, you'll get d different denominations. So maybe you'll draw the high um, denomination cards, get lucky, and draw that first, and then maybe decide, oh, well, then I'm going to buy a really expensive card. Um, or Otherwise, if you don't, you, you maybe buy a cheaper card, knowing that the next five cards will probably have more expensive cards. And then as you... Like we said, as you buy that card, it goes into your discard pile, and at the cleanup phase, you take your 
your cards that were used and put them in the discard pile. And after you go through your draw deck, you shuffle the cards and start over again. So the cards that you're buying will eventually come into your hand. And that's a very good point about the fact about the, the victory points becoming dead weight. The wrong strategy in this game is to immediately buy those um, victory point cards. Because when you draw those into your hand, they do nothing for you. They have no actions. They're not worth anything. They just sit there and stare at you in the face. So with Dominion, there's, there's multiple phases. There's the first just building up your deck. There's a strategy that you're building with your deck. Maybe you're wanting to curse people. Or maybe you're wanting to make sure that you get tons of actions and, and tons of buy phases per turn. But at some point in the game, whether it be you or somebody else, somebody's going to start buying victory points. And there's this part where it's like, should you know, I be the first to start buying victory points to get a jump on other people? But by doing that, you're starting to put dead cards in your deck that can't be used for anything else except counting at the end. Or if somebody else has started, how long do you let them go and get a jump on you in those victory points before you jump in and start buying them? Yeah, and for people that have never played a deck building game or if you're interested in Dominion, one of the things that you need to keep track of it gets com- complex at times is when you do those chains, um, when you have an action that leads to another action that leads to another, it's a really good idea to announce that I've done this action or that. And there's nothing wrong with it. It gives you that that's that social aspect of the game and other than just laying down a card and doing a bunch of stuff and then go, your turn, you know, there's nothing to do that. Now I will say this, Marty, when I, uh, and I, I told my neighbors, I wouldn't mention it, but whenever I taught my neighbors this, they always win. I cannot, they, they must have a strategy that I don't even understand. And they, cause they whip me every time, man. Or I'm just a pathetic really? dominion player. Uh, Okay, the second one. We'll go with the second one. I okay, like no, I don't. I, I I haven't played you in Dominion in a very long time, so I can't remember. I, I'm just but, no. I actually, they're they're excellent. They understand. They they figure out. And some people will. And I guess that's my point. Some people will quickly be able to analyze the supply of cards and develop a quick strategy and be able to implement that. If you don't do that, there's the downfall in in, in Dominion. You've got to be able to recognize the supply. Because the supply, you get, what is it, 32 random cards that you just draw 10 from and say, oh, there's the supply. I know some people's strategy is the the most, the card that provides the most victory points is obviously the most expensive. So, and I think it's around eight, eight gold or something like that. But so a lot of people's strategy is to be able to afford that. They get all these cards in their hand that can generate lots of gold with every draw. And when they get to that point, that's when they start buying up those those province cards. Now, like you said, once once the province cards are the, the most expensive, the highest victory point card are gone, the game is over. But the other condition of when three of any of the supply are gone, the game is over. I've seen that strategy used too, to where if you feel that, and let's face it, you can probably card count. If, if you're good, you can keep up with how many victory points people have gotten in their deck because you see as they buy that card it goes into their deck so if you got a decent memory you can kind of keep up with it and if you feel that you're ahead the strategy is to quickly drain three supply cards and end the game as fast as you can yeah it's an excellent point that's a great way to play it so once again you're watching your opponents it's not one of those games where you can just kind of like ah he's doing his thing i'm doing you need to be watching your opponents 
Now, already the game, you know, plays two to four. I personally think it plays best with four people. <clears throat> I don't know about you. I don't know if you. I agree. Okay. It plays in 30 minutes. I don't believe that. Um, that doesn't include setup. And I think it, it can be played in 30 minutes if the people know the cards. Yeah, and, and when you said it can be played in 30 minutes, what you're referencing is is the, the the box itself says it's done in 30 minutes. But I agree, 30 minutes. I mean, you probably have to give five to ten minutes just for the setup. Right, and and the box says, you know, eight and up can play this game, and I agree. But I would think, to me, I and it's been a while since I've had an eight-year-old in the house. I think uh, you would probably be no better than I would. An eight-year-old handling the complex and I call them complex because I think they are multiple actions. I think that'd be kind of mm-hmm. that strategy would be kind of tough for an eight year old. Well, and like you said, the chains are huge. If, if you can logically figure out what cards will go together, that if you draw the right cards, right five cards, you can build this chain of events. That's like play an action, draw a card. Ooh, draw a card, play another action where you can just keep doing action after action. And maybe part of those actions are also giving you additional buys. And in addition, you're also generating income so that by the time you get to the buy phase, um, initially you only can buy one card, regardless of how much gold you have. If you have 10 gold in your hand and you can only buy one buy and the only thing on the table is, is worth two, then you're just going to waste eight gold. So at some point in time, you need to increase the number of buys you could make. By increasing your buys, you can buy more cards during your buy phase with the, with the amount of gold that you have. So if you can get this, this nice combo going, I mean, some, some people's turns can take a while just because they're constantly drawing action, drawing action, building up buys, and then going through each of their buys so, so do you think it's something that, you know, an eight year old could pull off or do you, no. well, I mean, what do you think the, the a good age for someone to introduce uh, their, their child to it? I mean, 12, 14, I mean, have, have you taught your youngest uh, yet? He could play, my youngest is 10 and he could play it. He could comprehend it. I don't think he could, his mind can wrap around the strategy of seeing what cards are in the supply and knowing what to buy each phase. To yeah, use so, later on in the game. So I guess our casual corn kind of did a little bit of a review, which is what we do. But, you know, overall, Dominion, great introductory to deck building games, drafting cards, doing a deck building game. Uh, look for it. You can find it online in these, what they call, what, what is it, these big treasure boxes or or I forget where you get expansions. I mean, how many expansions is Dominion at right now? Uh, right now there is... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight with one more coming out. And supposedly there's a note here saying that this next expansion would be the last one the creator is going to be involved in. It doesn't mean they won't they won't do anymore, but that's kind of where it stands right now. So they've been very good um, with releasing um, additional cards with uh, new types of cards that kind of changes the game a little bit so it doesn't get stale after a while. And I'd also read about the designer, and I got his name here in front of me. I'm not pulling this out of my head. It's Donald Vaccarino. I apologize if I, I butcher that name. He kind of he used to be a magic player. And it was, it's funny because it was kind of the same thing with us. Hey, we like that concept of, of magic, but there's so much time invested and, and money invested in building these decks. What about if you could build a deck as you play? And so he started toying around the idea um, with this style of game, and he actually went and uh, play tested or introduced this game at Origins in 2007. 
Rio Grande Games, a very large game publisher, happened to be there. Sandy Moan, a year later, made the game, and the rest is history. Well, there you go. And um, Dominion, as you mentioned in the in the other segment, there's a lot of deck-building games. This was another one of those games that exploded. So, obviously, all game designers, game publishers, want to jump on the deck-building bandwagon and come up with their own version and get a piece of this pie. There are a lot of of deck building games right there. I'm thinking I was talking to somebody the other day and I'm almost thinking there's almost too many because there's only so much you can do with this genre without it becoming kind of stale. And it's like, Oh, well, if I've played dominion, then I've played this other game, you know, sort of deal. Maybe you change the theme a little bit. Um, and maybe a theme change is enough for some people. Um, I'm really interested to see where it goes from here. Um, now somebody has come out with the, um, WizKids came out with a game called Quarriers, which is a dice building game, which is the exact same concept of you start with a pool of dice and then you purchase dice that are used during the game. It works the exact same way, except instead of drawing cards, you pull dice out of a bag and roll them. Right. And it's uh, you've, you've introduced me to that. It's same concept, easy. You're right. It, we'll see where it goes um, moving forward with Dominion coming out with their last, but there may be something else. I mean, you know, you and I enjoyed a other game that came out recently, uh, Eminent Domain, that's kind of along the same line. A lot of variations. So it'll be kind of yeah, interesting it, to see where this goes. Eminent Domain's a very good game that came out last year. It's probably my favorite deck-building game right now. Now, right after Dominion came out, we jumped on Thunderstone, which I really liked because it was fantasy-based. There was more of like you're going on quests and attacking monsters, but then it just went from there. And just they started rolling out with all these deck-building games. There's... You know, last year there was a Marvel deck building game and a DC deck building game. It's like everybody's taking some sort of IP or theme and slapping a deck building game underneath it. Right. And I'm real interested in it's probably on my buy list is the the DC one. Um, I I like Marvel, like DC. I love superheroes, you know. So back to our deck building game or our collectibles and we played City of Heroes. I hate that it didn't go anywhere but that's all right but well, here's uh, my issue deck uh, if anybody listened to uh, episode two the dc games from cryptozoic and i kind of have an issue with them right now i know you do so that's why it won't be but, in your closet it can be in mine okay but, but but i've heard good things about the marvel game from upper deck i've heard it was a better game okay well see i've it depends on the reviews you know uh some people said that it got just the marvel game continued to be the same thing over and over where the DC game, it was kind of neat having the ability to change up. Now, this may put people off. And now we're leaving. I'm sorry, guys. We need to segue here. We're leaving Dominion. We're leaving Casual Corner. We're we're debating here on them. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoy that Casual Corner. Now, go ahead. Yeah, well, Casual Corner. Um, but from, from the standpoint of uh, DC, I mean, people may have an issue with, uh, oh, I don't know, Superman having laser, I mean, um, Batman having laser vision or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I got Oh, read that's right. Because that's right. You can have like Superman driving the Batmobile. Yeah. And, and people, it how, just. How stupid is that? Oh, hey, I understand. But how stupid. Well, okay. You're t- calling it and. Aren't comics, don't they do these alternate universes, Infinity Zero, Infinity Zero, and, and Sub-Zero, and all this other stuff? See, there you I, go. Uh, I do, but I guess I'm a purist, and I, have, I guess the thing I'd have an issue with the DC game and the Marvel game is, I think, from what I understand, you can have like two Spider-Mans out on the table. What up with that? Uh, hey, 
well, the same thing came when here we go into something else. Hero clicks. You could have three Spider-Mans on the table. And oh, that's uh, true. And, you know, in one of the future podcasts, we'll be talk, doing miniatures. Uh, oh, look, here's a Star Trek deck building game. One of my favorite genres. And, you know, um, well, I don't know. So, yeah. I, tons actually, of I heard the there. Star Trek was okay. It was? Okay. I'm going to have to look at that know. one. I'm surprised it hasn't been a Star Wars deck building game yet. I'm sure it's coming. That's oh, there's the Star Wars Living Card game. Uh, Penny Arcade deck building game. Yeah, which is actually a pretty good game. Yeah, we enjoyed until, that, didn't we? Yeah, until they started making all the other deck building games they put out, like kind of like that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. In 2013, Marty, I'm going through this. The Lord of the Rings dice building game. you got to be kidding me. No. <laughs> From who? Hold on. Pulling it up now. Sorry, guys, for those of you hanging in here. We're running along, but this is whiz kids. Hmm. So the people who did Quarriers. Yes. Okay, I'm a little intrigued. Okay. I liked Quarriers. All right. Unless, unless this the exact same rules, but with Lord of the Rings dice, then I then I won't buy it. I, I'm thinking that's it's exactly what it is. Looking at the pictures, it's it's Lord of the Rings dice, various things, cards look like. I don't, yep, it's exactly what, I don't know, it, it may be a little bit Gollum and Faramir and Sting, that'll be interesting, when's this thing coming out, let's see here now, but anyway, I have not heard about this one, I just was looking through through the various deck building scenarios and that one just popped, popped up, so what can we say, um, but anyway, we appreciate everybody listening this, this week, uh, to the podcast, uh, We'll have another one coming out here in another two weeks. It depends on how quickly Marty can get things edited and how bad we screwed this one up. And hopefully my mic is better this time. I think I figured out the technical difficulty. That was okay. It was a drop down. And yeah, I made fun of my mom not being able to listen to the podcast scared of a um, virus. And here I am not paying attention to drop downs. But other than that, uh, anything else, Marty, before we sign off for this time? No, I think that's it. And remember, when you open up a pack of cards, it's what a rainbow probably smells like. Yeah, there you go. I think that needs to be your Facebook statement net tomorrow, okay? <laughs> yeah, I think that should be my Facebook status. Right. Well, anyway, thanks for everybody for listening. This is Rolling Dice and Take us name, Taking Names. Remember, you can check us out on the web at rollingdicetakingnames.com. And uh, we have an RSS feed for our podcast, so you can make sure that you never miss an episode. And we hope to see you again in two weeks. Take care.